Man, I, uh, I can't think of the last time I got that sweaty during worship. Um, <laughs> man, if you're watching us and joining us online, I'm telling you, uh, what an amazing, amazing worship experience we had this morning. And I love it when God kind of interrupts things in the middle of a gathering and just says, hey, I'm wanting to do something here. Uh, before a word's ever preached or spoken, but yet our hearts... The songs that we're singing, many of them are, are songs of declaration of the faithfulness of who God is and, and looking to him as our source and stuff. And, and I just love it. I, I love times of worship. I, I love these moments. Someone after a first gathering uh, said, man, look at Pastor Brian. Like he is jumping around and like a crazy man. I'm telling you, sometimes I just, I just can't hold it in. You know, I, sometimes I try to hold it back a little bit. I'm like, you're, you're the pastor. You got to be a little refined and stuff. And and sometimes I'm like, man, I, just, I think I just need to be like David, but not quite like David. Because David danced naked before the Lord, so you don't have to worry about that type of a moment. Uh, if I do that, I promise it'll be just me and him. Um, my mom used to always say, don't make those type of promises, because then the Lord's going to ask you to do something crazy like that. But uh, no, 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 we're good. We're good. So... Um, you know, it's interesting because I really feel like God is moving on the hearts and lives of, of our students, of our church body. And I, I hope that you're sensing something happening. It, it's kind of, the, the only way I know how to really put it in words is, I almost feel like we're down at Cape Canaveral in Florida. And uh, the, the countdown has begun, the rockets are firing, like, but we haven't necessarily launched off the pad yet, but you can feel the rumble. It's like... And like people are like going, dude, it's happening, it's happening. And, and God's like stirring some things. And, and I think that a lot of times what you do is you see that stirring happening in our young people and, and coming through there. And, and I believe it's just going to continue spreading. I'm believing this, that this year we're going to see revival happen across our schools in ways that we've never dreamed possible. And never dream possible. And, and, and it's not going to just happen at LCS. I believe it's going to happen at Madison. It's going to happen at Sand Creek. It's going to happen at Tecumseh. I believe there's going to be just a great awakening that's going to happen across um, our, our, our campuses, across our city and, and our area and stuff. And I uh, would love for you to believe that with us. Um, we're hearing testimonies of God doing things at camp. And can I just say, first off, thank you, Bethany Assembly, for making it possible for kids to go to camp. This week, literally... We'll have a ton of kids going from Bethany kids, so that's going to be third through sixth grade. They're going to be going for a week of camp. And here's what I know is that a week of camp is life-changing. There are kids that I believe will be called into ministry. There are kids that will be um, given a new prayer language. I believe there are kids that are going to be healed. There are kids that are going to get saved. We're going to see things happen. Just this last week at senior high camp, there was kids who got baptized. They went public for Jesus among their friends. There was kids that were healed. There was kids that were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there was like, there was breakthroughs happening. My son Gabe was one of those. He was in the altar and he was praying. A leader had his hand on his shoulder. And as the leader was praying, he just felt this heat coming from the shoulder and he's he said Gabe did your shoulder hurt you and Gabe said yes my shoulder has been hurting he's like well let's pray right now and he, he began praying for it and then he he did what you you know you're supposed to do he prayed for it and they said okay and then he asked him to test it out how's it feel and Gabe was like well it's still kind of hurting a little bit he's like all right well then let's keep praying so he laid his hand back on him and prayed for him some more and then he said Gabe how's it feel and Gabe's like the pain's gone it's gone and he was healed and then 
that happened to be one of, I think, one of the camp directors, and he got up on the stage, and he said, man, I'm telling you, God wants to heal. He's already doing it. He just healed Gabe right down here, and we saw other people being healed. I'm telling you, God is no respecter of people. And so when I, when earlier you heard that moment during the, the time in uh, the worship, where we said this, God is crazy madly in love with you right where you are. Can I just tell you that is so, so, so true. See, so many times we think we have to have it all put together in order to experience a move of God. But God is always putting the pieces together. You don't have to. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to like somehow get your life cleaned up and then you can start going to church. No, no, no. No, messy people welcomed. Broken people welcomed. Because here's what I know is that, that I was one of them. I would be broken without Christ. Here's what I know. Every other person in this room would be broken without Christ. There's no person in this room that's better than you. There's no person who has a better put together. Simply, the difference between many is this, is there's just simply been people who have surrendered. It's like, oh, all right, I'll surrender to what God has, what God wants to do. Ever ask yourself a question of what if? What if? What if things were different? What if you hadn't done this? But let's not focus on the negative. What if this happened? What if tomorrow someone gave you a car? What if tomorrow you were blessed with a new job? What if tomorrow you uh, began to see the role that God has for you to play and you begin to activate it? What if? What if the ecclesia, the church, what if it was more than what we see now? What if? What if the church accomplished its mission and Jesus came back? <laughs> what if? What if Lenaway County was waiting for Bethany Assembly to rise up and to begin thinking differently and doing differently? What if? What if people in the church here at Bethany Assembly began to realize that God has a plan and purpose for your life? What if? What if today was the start of something new in your life? What if the church actually needed to change? What if? What if the early church was different? In fact, in many ways, we've been exploring in this series that we started last week, this idea of every follower, that every follower has a plan and purpose that God has already designed and strategically put. What if you're more than your job? What if you're more than your business? What if you were more than a husband and a spouse? What if you actually had a God-given assignment that God had placed upon you? What if? What if he had put resources in your life that were more than just comfortable living? What if he actually blessed you with those type of resources in your life so that you could be a blessing into others? What if God had a different plan? What if? This series is about exploring the what if question. What if we all played the role that God had for us? See, when I think about the early church, what I see is a group of people who are living, working, serving, praying, eating together. They're doing life together. And what the early church realized was this, is that we are better together. 
that the church as a whole, the ecclesia, the assembly, the gathering of the saints is actually better together rather than singular. That we can accomplish more when we actually put our resources together, when our talent pool increases. We're actually better together when we actually go after the mission and the vision that God has placed upon our hearts. And it's more than just listening to the vision and mission of just one person. It's about actually asking the Lord for a vision. When was the last time you asked the Lord for a vision for your community? Just for your neighborhood? What about a vision for your family? What about a vision for your marriage? What would happen if you actually went after God in the way that we see others going after the Lord? <laughs> now, one of the reasons why I dance around and get crazy and all that is more than just I like the music and more than just the fact that Alicia can sing. Dude, that girl can sing. Yeah. Woo! Man, I, I don't know if she's in here, but she may have left her, but man, that girl can sing. And, um, but even more than that, I, I'll tell you the, the honest reason is, is I'm just, I'm just in love with Jesus. Like I just, I love his presence. I, I love his word. I love spending time in it. I, I love prayer. I just, I love those moments. Now, does it come easy all the time? I mean, sometimes I get distracted and things. Anyone ever get distracted? Come on, you sit down, you're getting ready to pray at your house, and all of a sudden, you know, the, your Facebook notification comes up, you get a little distracted, things start coming at you. Can I just encourage you, man, just fall in love with Jesus. See, I, I love spending time with him. And I think sometimes we have this messed up idea of, of what it means to be a minister. In fact, let me ask you this question, are you a minister? Now, I know some of you are sitting here and you're going, well, um, I didn't go to Bible college. Uh, I, I haven't really studied, I mean, I, I read the word, but I, I don't really study it like that. Like, I don't, I don't actually maybe think I'm a minister. Maybe if you are, or some of you are thinking, I'm not like ordained or licensed or anything like that with the, like with the Assemblies of God, like, you know, this church is a part of that fellowship. So I, I mean, I would say I'm probably not a minister. And, but let me kind of make this statement. Everyone who follows Jesus is a minister. So guess what? If you follow Jesus, you're a minister. God has specifically called you out to minister the gospel, the good news. You're a follower of Jesus. You don't get off. You don't get off the hook. You're actually a minister. You're a minister of the gospel. Now here's the, the next question I have for you. Is if you're a minister, then are you living like a minister? Now here's, here's what I know growing up in the church. We have a big expectation as to what our pastors, how they live and how they act. And, you know, we, we tell them, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't chew, you don't drink, you don't hang out with girls who do, you know, like you just... Like, you don't do those bad things. You know, like, we've tried to say, you know, we're against this, we're against that, and the church has been really good about pointing the things out that we're against. But can we just level the playing field and say, that stuff falls away when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ? I'm not focused. I, I, honestly, if you want to ruin your lungs by smoking tobacco, then, then go ahead. I don't think it's the best usage, but guess what? I, I don't think that it's going to keep you from heaven. So if some preacher stood up in front of you and said that cigarettes are going to keep you from heaven, 
I don't, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says that. I do see in the Bible where it says, treat your body as though it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I think we have a responsibility in how we treat our temples, how we take care of them. I, but I think just as much as cigarettes are bad, so is the buffet. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of very overweight people stand in a pulpit and say those things. So, are you living like a minister? Because you shouldn't have different expectations necessarily for me than you do for yourself. You shouldn't be like, well, Pastor Brian, he needs to be like this and this and that. Pastor Braley, the rest of the team, they need to be like this and this because we pay them to be that way. No, 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 no. We're all ministers. We're all ministers of the gospel. We've all been called by God to actually do that. And the early church, I think, is a great example of this idea of all of us being ministers. See, the early church didn't see itself as sheep to be fed and cared for, but actually saw themselves as followers called by God to be equipped to do the ministry. They weren't like, oh, we're sheep. We're just, you know, we, we have no idea where we're going unless the shepherd leads us. We have no idea how to eat unless the shepherd teaches us. No, the early church wasn't that way. You can look at the early church. 3,000 people come to know Jesus. You know what they did not do? They did not sit down and say, all right, now, if you're going to be a part of the club, this is what you got to agree to. This is what it's going to look like, and here's what good church members look like. No, that wasn't how things went. In fact, what happened was the early church, when this explosion took place, you know what they started doing? They just started doing Jesus stuff. They were like, well, what does Jesus do? Let's do what Jesus does. See, a minister is someone who does the works of God. Ministers do Jesus stuff. So what did Jesus do? Well, he healed the sick. So when someone would get saved, they'd be like, well, I've seen Jesus heal the sick. I'm going to go heal the sick. Not in my power, but in the power of Christ who lives inside of me. I'm going to pray for the sick and they'll be healed. I'm going to go out and spread the gospel. That's what Jesus did. He spread the gospel, the good news. Everywhere he went, he was talking about the good news. Okay, I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to do Jesus stuff. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, you should do Jesus stuff. Heal the sick, spread the gospel. Here's another one. Cast out demons. Oh, oh, Pastor Brian, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't like that stuff. That stuff gets all freaky and all that kind of stuff. That only happens on overseas mission trips. Can I just say, demons, same deal. Okay, I'll tell you this. There is demonic oppression that is in people's lives through lust. I'll tell you, man, like lust is like, that is a stronghold in America. Now, if you, have a, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't believe you can be demon-possessed, but I think there is de- demonic oppression that can come. That's for a whole other time. We don't need to talk about that. But Jesus cast out demons, all right? So that's all you need. I, that's not all you need to know. That's just, let me move on. Anyway, sorry. Um, here's another thing. Jesus performed miracles. Performed miracles. The early church, when, the, when, when, they, when they had an encounter with Jesus, they're like, well, man, if Jesus did it, we could do it. Peter's like, You're walking on water, Jesus? Call me out. I'll do it. Jesus is doing it. I'll do it. What else? Jesus gave prophetic words. The early church, man, give a prophetic word to something, something the Lord was speaking to their heart. Here we go, another one. Win the lost. 
win the lost. Now you may say, isn't that like spreading the gospel? Well, yeah, but there was a calling that took place. There, there was a moment of calling to action in people's hearts and lives. It was Jesus stuff. A minister is someone who does the works of God. Ministers do Jesus stuff. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, though, is, is helping the church understand this and helping the church understand that they need each other. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, we need each other. Look at the other person who feels left out on the other side say, we need you too. We need each other, right? Like literally each and every person is needed. Now listen, if someone around you didn't say that to you, can I just tell you, we need you. We need you. Each and every one of us have a calling and, and that I believe God has placed upon us. And, and Paul is talking to the church here in Ephesians, and he's really answering the what if question. What if the church actually came together? What if the church actually went out? What would it look like? And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he says this. He says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Who's he given to? He's given to the church, each and every one of us. He's given you this gift. To do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. There's this idea of you and I have been given a gift, a, a gift of equipping. This word equip is this idea of restoration, reconciliation, support, to make adequate, to qualify, to furnish completely. So he has actually given us, each and every one of us, this different role that we in conjunction are to use together and operate. Jesus gave us each other. And then the beautiful thing is, is in Acts, and this is for another time, but he gives us the Holy Spirit as well. He says, I'm going to empower you. Not only am I calling some of you to be prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, but I'm also going to empower you with the power of the Holy Spirit. When you look at these different words here, these different offices, the apostle, 87 times it's mentioned in scripture. Prophet, 157 times. Evangelist, three times. And then here's what's crazy. Shepherd, which is what we would call today a pastor, which in the Western church, we've really lumped every pastor into that. So well, every pastor's that. But the reality of it is certain pastors really operate more as apostles. Some actually operate more as evangelists. Some actually operate more as, like a, as a prophet. Others more like a shepherd or teacher. But what we've done in, the, in Western culture and the American church is we've said, well, everyone's a pastor. So we took the one word that's actually mentioned one time. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's pretty crazy. The word teacher 121 times. Now, each of us have unique God-given callings, personalities, abilities, and spiritual gifts. Each and every one of us. But I also believe that each and every one of us, God has actually placed inside of us. So, so let, let's think about a football team for a minute. Think about the ball being passed down the field or something. You can think about that. So let's just use the evangelist for a second. The evangelist gets out and gets people saved. In fact, their desire really is, is once someone gets saved, their desire is to go and save another person. Ever met an evangelist before? Come on, like, that's all they think about. They're like, dude, we gotta win more people to Jesus. I just want someone to Jesus. I just want someone to Jesus. And honestly, in my spirit, sometimes I'm like, whoa, whoa, pause, slow down a second. It's great people are coming to Jesus, but what are you gonna do to develop them? What are you gonna do to develop, you know, to disciple them and different things? Like, oh, I, that's, that's somebody else's responsibility. I'm just winning people for Jesus. And, and in all reality, when the church is operating in all five fold, oh, it's beautiful. 
And we'll talk about the evangelist. Actually, Pastor Bray, they will actually be sharing that week about the evangelist, and I can't wait for you to hear from him, but he's gonna be talking about the evangelist that week. And, and I'll be honest with you, I believe that there are evangelists that are sitting in our church and you just need permission to actually be who God's called you to be. So many of us think that it's the shepherd, it's the teacher, that, that that's the only ones who get called on ministry. Young people, listen up for a second. God's gonna call some of you to be apostles, some of you to be prophets, some of you to be evangelists, some of you to be shepherds, some of you to be teachers. And we need each other. So the, the evangelist gets people saved, but then here's what happens. Then the pastor comes in and the pastor begins to care for them, right? They begin to nurture them. Oh, you just gave your life to Jesus. That's awesome. Hey, let's just talk about some steps and how you can take some steps in your relationship with God. Here's some things you may want to consider. We're kind of walking them through that. The pastor's kind of nurturing them through that process because the evangelist is like, I got to go win more people. The pastor's like, just give them to me. I'll just love on them and we'll just walk through that. Then the prophet kind of steps in and the prophet steps in and says, all right, here's the deal. Uh, it's been great you've been nurtured by them but listen um, let's let, let me help you understand what it means to receive a vision from the Lord let me help you understand what it means to have a vision from God for what he's called you to let's begin to think about that hey listen you know your relationship with God matters and your relationship with others matters they start kind of calling you to this whole thing and that's the role of the prophet he begins doing that he, he begins calling that out in a church that's working in the fivefold and then the, the prophet then, the teacher then steps in and the teacher's like, oh, that's, that's really good. The prophet was so right. This is an area that the Lord's kind of showing you and focusing on. Let's just dig in a little bit deeper about what God's word actually has to say with that. So they start digging you in and they're like, man, look, look at the original Greek here and look, look at what it's actually saying and this is what this word, you know. They like, they're the teacher. They're the one who really jumps into it. And then the apostle hops in and the apostle's the one kind of towards the end, and I know a lot of people say the apostle's more the, the front side, but in this, in a working church, this is how I kind of see it. The apostle's the one that comes in and says, man, that's fantastic, look what all God's done. There's new ground to be taken. We should actually go start a new church over here. Maybe we should start a campus over here. Maybe we could take some new ground over here. Hey, maybe there's some missionaries that we could put out here. Hey, what if we actually took the gospel to the ends of the earth like the scriptures actually talk about? What would that look like? The apostle's the one who's calling those Two, we need in the church today all five. We need them. We need all five in operation. We need all of them working together. So today I want to focus on the apostle. And I want to look at the apostle from both a personal standpoint and from the church. Now the word apostle means the sent one. It's this idea of the sent one. It's something that actually has been sent out, sent by God and authorized to do certain things, to take ground for the kingdom. They represent the king. They lay their lives down for the church. They, put, uh, they help see how things need to be put in order. They have this way of kind of seeing, well, man, this really needs some order over here, and this needs some order there. They take risks to move the church forward. When you look at things from an apostolic ministry, like a church side of it, these are churches that are taking new ground. These are churches that are, are dreaming some new dreams and actually taking some risk. Now, I know some of you, as we'll walk through here in a moment, there are certain things that I'm going to say that on an apostolic side are going to make your skin, like, cringe. And here's why. Because you're not an apostle. So be okay with it. I'll be honest with you, sometimes when an evangelist comes around me sometimes and they're around me on a consistent basis, I, I, there are times where I'm just like, can, can we just stop talking about lost people for just a minute? Now, it's not because I don't love lost people. 
It's just because really, I, I have a, a real strong apostle's heart. Like, like that's a calling on my life. So like, I'm always thinking, you know, how do we build systems? How do we do this? How do we take new ground? All these, you know, like what if we started a new campus here? What if we sent missionaries over here? I'm always thinking that way. My brain's kind of always wired that way. That's why I planted a church. And I've come to realize that for me, it's a calling that God's, but listen, it doesn't mean I don't love the evangelist. I'm just not an evangelist. Can I be evangelistic at times? Yes. Yes. But is it something that where I just want to go out every day and just lead everyone I meet to Jesus? Well, actually, no. Now, some of you are offended because I just said that, probably because you're the evangelist. So that's what I'm saying. It's this, this whole series is going to be very telling for many of us because you're going to see different things and you're going to be like, man, I totally love that, but I don't like that. That's all right. I love what the theologian Daryl Gruder said. He said this, apostolic ministry ensures that the church is always centered on its calling to be an agent and instrument of God's mission and that everything it does and everything it is relate and demonstrate that calling. It's about the mission. An apostolic church is about the mission. You see, the church exists by its mission just like fire exists by burning. Let me say that again because that's good. You see, the church exists by its mission, just like fire exists by burning. See, a church that's apostolic maintains and develops its idea of being sent, the sentness of the church. They're faithful to their missionary calling. They're faithful to going out. So let me share with you 10 functions of an apostolic ministry today. I've been reading a book by... Um, a guy by the name of Alan Hirsch. In fact, if you want to do any deeper reading or anything, Alan Hirsch wrote a book uh, called The Five Q. He's written a lot of other books, Forgotten, uh, Forgotten Ways and uh, The Verge. He's written a few other ones that I've read, but, but the latest one has been uh, The Five Q. And I've actually been wrestling with this whole uh, five-fold ministry thing for quite some time. Kasha knows I did a series back at the church that we had planted, a journey. We took all these tests and everything. And I really believe in the fivefold ministry. It's hard, though, because in Western culture, we want the pastor to be all five. It's like, well, that's why I hired you, pastor. But let me just pause for a minute before we get into these uh, 10 functions. And let me just say this. I think the reason why we're seeing pastors and uh, pastors across America failing, yeah, I know sin's out there. I know all that. I think part of it is, is we're asking pastors to be five things that they're not actually called to be. So they're getting burned out. And so for the work of ministry, they're spending more time at ministry and doing these things and neglecting their marriages. And then all of a sudden a pretty lady comes walking in and takes the eye of the pastor and off he goes. You go, well, how did that happen? Well, it's because we're trying to get the pastor who we pay to be all five of these things that he's not actually can't be. Now, I've heard people say, Pastor Brian, I, I feel like you have all five. And I'll say this, there are times where I operate in all five, but that does not mean that I'm called to all five. There's some that are actually like, it's like life to me. Like, you start talking about apostolic stuff, like the idea of planting churches and taking new ground and risk, I'm like, what is up? Let's do it. And then Kasha's back there in the back like, uh, uh, Brian, you didn't think through that piece. Come on, Brian. She's kind of pulling me back. Why? Because even though she has a little bit of that in her, that's not her, that's not her primary gift. So what does it look like for us to be in our primary gift? Well, we're talking about apostolic. In the next few weeks, you'll hear about other ones. But, but apostolic ministry, here's some things. Like, first thing is this, is apostolic ministries, they take risks. 
They take risks. I know I've talked about that a little bit. Some of you, when I say you should go and take a risk, some of you are like, yes, and others of you are like, that's stupid. We don't need to take risks. Pastor Brian, that's ridiculous. No risk. You're, you're kind of risk, risk averse. Sometimes we think it's like, sometimes people think, oh, that's my personality. And maybe that's a little bit of it, but maybe it's actually your calling. Maybe part of it is, is that, that not all people are called actually to actually to be an apostle. But they take risks. The gospel, and now let me say this, I, I think the gospel actually deserves risk. I'm thankful that someone took a risk to start this church. Years ago, Sister Annabelle, years ago, 75 years this year in September, Sister Annabelle was planting churches around the United States, one in Brighton. She had planted five churches prior to coming here. A woman. We'll talk about that here in a second, but she comes and she comes to Adrian because she, she really feels like God desires to have a Pentecostal work here in, in, in the city of Adrian. So she starts, and starts working and, and uh, just starts ministering to the kids, does like a little Sunday school, and all of a sudden that begins to develop. And, and then it goes from there and becomes Bethany Chapel, and the church just continues to grow. And now we see this great church right here. Many people's lives have been touched through the years. And you think about that and you realize there was a lady named Sister Annabelle who actually decided to take a risk. And can I just say this? Um, if you don't believe women should be in ministry, this is probably not a good church to be at. And because um, for one thing, we were started by a lady. Um, secondly, we believe very strongly that God calls both women and men uh, into ministry and has actually a calling in place for them. In fact, I can't wait till we actually have women pastors on staff and where it's not just, you know, because I'll be honest, I look at the history kind of of Bethany a lot. Um, we have a lot of administrative ladies, but not a lot of pastoral. Um, we need to do something to fix that. So anyways, that's not in the notes, but... Um, so they take risk. I know that's taking a risk. Uh, they, here's the next thing they do. They extend the gospel. They extend the gospel. They extend the Jesus movement through the lives of the church. Apostolic ministries are like, dude, we gotta extend the gospel. How do we get the gospel out? It's not just about Adrian. We gotta be thinking outside of Adrian. We, can, we need to be thinking about Lenaway County. We need to be thinking about the state of Michigan. Hey, there are people overseas that we need to be reaching one of the things I love so much about the Assemblies of God as a whole is really the Assemblies of God as a whole started out of this apostolic calling to send the gospel to the ends of the earth, to send it out to places to see. A lot of people say, well, it's, about, it's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, that is what empowered us to then go do. It was an apostolic movement to extend the gospel. The next is this, is they maintain the movement. Here's what I mean by that is that an apostolic ministry realizes that this movement that's happening needs to be maintained. And so what they're constantly doing is they're constantly thinking, how do we maintain this movement? How do we, how do we keep this thing moving forward? It's dynamics, it's advancing, it's adaptive, it's integrated into the community both locally and globally. And they're looking at it and going, how do we then begin to adapt? How do we adapt to what's going on in our culture? You know what happens is, is many churches, you can see this across the Western culture in the, in the church. Churches that are primarily all about the, the shepherd-teacher role being the primary emphasis in the church, what has happened is, is they've turned inward, and they're like, just pastor, please, just care for us. Ever heard this? I wasn't getting fed there, so I left. What? Wasn't, 
Did, did, they, did they mention Jesus there? Yeah. Okay, do you own a Bible? Yes. Whose responsibility is it for you to eat? I can put the food out in front of you, but if you don't eat, guess what? It don't matter. And guess what? It's even better when you prepare the food. You know why? Because then you're learning to grow in your relationship with Christ. So instead of just focusing on the one, so what's happened is, is, is this idea of the, this apostolic ministry of going out and reaching. So churches that don't have that arm in operation have just become stagnant. They're not looking at culture. Culture is changing around them. Things are happening, and they're just like, no, this is how we do it. We've done it this way for years. And if it worked back then, it'll work today. Can I just say, it doesn't. <laughs> what worked back then doesn't work today. Is the message still the same? Yes. Is the method different? Yes. You drove a car to church today. You didn't ride a horse. Things change. Things change. You have a phone now that is not one of these deals on the, on the wall. And then you had to wait, right? Remember that? And then some of you were really cool. You had a really long cord so you could walk around the kitchen. And all of a sudden, you'd be all turned around. And you'd be like, oh, hold on a second. I'm stuck. Okay, sorry about that. Now your phone's like right in your pocket, right? You're like, it's right there. It's available. You can call anybody. You can look up anything. You can watch TV on it. Here's what's crazy. I'll be like, let's put a movie on. The kids, you know what they'd rather do? Hold the movie in their hand. Times have changed. We need to be changing with that. We need to maintain the, mo the movement. The next thing is this, is they focus on the mission. Sent one implies this idea of someone carrying a message. They focus on the mission. They're like, listen, there's a mission that God has given us. Here at Bethany, we say the mission's all about bringing people one step closer to Jesus. You know what happened today? Right in the middle of the worship time, it was so cool. God interrupted the gathering, and people took steps down to these altars today, and their lives were changed. People who have maybe been serving Jesus for a long time, maybe people who have walked away from Jesus, I don't know. But guess what? I don't need to know. It's not my job to know all the details of every person. As long as people are taking steps in their relationship with God. I tell our team that all the time. Are they taking steps? Yes, let's celebrate the steps. Let's celebrate what God's doing in their life. Well, the steps aren't how we like them. I know. Some people take giant leaps. Other people, it's like little baby steps. Some people are taking steps backwards, and you're like, ah, oh, come on. But we celebrate people taking steps closer. Because why? Because we focus on the mission. Here's the next thing is they design systems. I found this that a lot of times uh, some of the other gifts really don't like the system side of it. In fact, if you talk to a prophet and you're like, all right, so here's the deal. I know you operate in the, in the gifting of the prophet, but we're going we're gonna to systematize how things work. They're like, what? Are you serious? You can't. You're going to like, you're going to squelch the Holy Spirit, like the move of God that we have with him. Well, we just wanted to decide like that we do three songs or four songs today. But just let it flow out of you. It's like, okay, all right. I totally understand. And you know what? We have those moments. You, anytime you let Pastor Casey lead in worship, you're going to have those moments. Because Pastor Casey's going to be like, I feel this. I feel it. I feel it. Here we go. <laughs> like, so 
So we need that, right? Because it's five-fold ministry gift. So sometimes I'm not as comfortable. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, because my system side comes in and I'm like, uh, that's not on the run sheet. <laughs> that's not how things are supposed to go. But then at times it's like, like today, it's like the Lord's like, okay, let's totally interrupt. But because we have a great culture here, the team isn't sitting up here. Karis isn't over here on the piano. I'm like, oh my goodness, where's Pastor Brian going? She's just like, ah. <laughs> we're somewhere today. <laughs> Oh, Karis, I love you. But, uh, all right, I got to get to my notes because time's wrapping. All right, but they design systems. See, they see the responsibility to cultivate a culture that continues past the immediate. Systems that are dynamic, systems that are adaptive, they're innovative, they're reproducible, they're scalable. They're constantly thinking about how can we do that? So the church is looking at it going, okay, if we can create a system around this, then that means it can be reproduced and we can give it away to someone else. My mind's always thinking that way. I'm always thinking, how can we give it away to somebody? Do you know why we have hosts up here? So the hosts come up here and they, they do that prayer moment. It's not because I couldn't do it. It's because I'm trying to train people up and getting them comfortable speaking in front of people so that maybe we can begin giving them ministry and actually see them actually speak. Actually see them do the work, like teach. Some of them are great teachers. Some of them maybe are maybe in a shepherd role. Maybe some of it's an evangelist role. Here's the next thing. They plant the gospel. They plant the gospel. See, we're not called, now, now hear me out when I say this, we're not called to plant churches, but to plant the Jesus story in ways that create the basis for Christian community, the church. Now, I planted a church, but really what we did is we planted the Jesus story in the midst of Holt. And we gathered a group of people around it, and we said, listen, Jesus is really great, and this is what it could look like. And we started meeting on a regular basis. In fact, when we started our church, you may not know this, but when we started our church, we actually met in a funeral home. Kosh and I used to say we're the most alive thing around in that place. And we really were. But literally, we, we met in the funeral home. Kasha ran the whole preschool ministry. She was right in the room, right next to where the dead bodies were. In fact, one Sunday they delivered a corpse while we were there. Delivered them right, right in the back. We met in a funeral home. We, our marketing, there was a guy that I knew that, that actually owned one of those big traffic signs, you know, like the big ones that like, you know, MDOT uses. And they had the, you know, you can put the letters across. And so like the big orange ones, I mean the huge, the big huge ones that are out on the highway. We knew a guy who had one of those. And so we put it up outside of the funeral home and put Journey Mount Hope Church meets here. <laughs> We'd talk to people and say, hey, we want you to come to our church. We just started a church. We'd be like, oh, right, really? Where's the church meet? We'd say Chapel in the Pines. And they'd say, where's Chapel in the Pines? We'd say, you know, it's over off of Jolly. And they'd say, it's over off of Jolly? Where, where is it over off of Jolly? And then finally I'd go, it's the funeral home. And they would go, oh, <laughs> Oh, Chapel in the Pines funeral home. Yeah, 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 that's where we're meeting. See, I believe God has called us to start the Jesus story in many different ways. In fact, there's one area right now the Lord keeps putting on my heart. And it's funny, I had like four people come up to me and say, man, God's been actually laying that on my heart uh, in Clinton. Now I know there's churches there in Clinton, but every time I drive through Clinton, the Lord just keeps saying, Brian, 
you're supposed to, we're supposed to have a campus here. And I'm just like, God, I don't know. He's like, yes. And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. And then, so then after the gathering today, literally first gathering, I had made that comment. There, all these people came out to me, four different people came out to me and said, Pastor Brian, it's crazy. I have been feeling that in my spirit too. One of them said, I've been feeling it for two years. Every year, I, every time I drive through Clinton, they go, the Lord just keeps saying there's supposed to be a church here. Now I know there's other churches here. So I'm not saying that I just, I feel like God's been saying it. So in my mind, my apostolic heart is like, okay, well, let's go plant a church. Let's go start a campus out there. Let's figure it out. Here's another thing with apostolic ministers. They cultivate entrepreneurship. They cultivate entrepreneurship. Man, new ground requires new methods, new ideas. They're already thinking that. An apostolic church is like, man, there's new ways, there's new ideas, there's new things that we can help. Now, I know some of you are like, we don't need new, we just need to do what we've always done. I understand that's, you're probably more on the teacher side or maybe, I don't know what side you're in, but you're over there. You're just not operating in the apostolic, that's fine. See, I think the problem has been, and I, if you could hear me out, church, I know many of you have been serving the Lord for a long time. Some of you have not been serving him very long, so you're trying to even figure out what we're talking about. Here, here we go. For so many years, the church has not been complete because we've only allowed certain voices to rise. It doesn't mean we all love the voices, but we're better together. We're better when there are people who have an apostolic calling on their lives who are saying, let's do this. We're better when the evangelists are out there leading people to the Lord. We're better when there's shepherding that's happening. We're better when there's actually teaching that's happening. We're better when there are people who are calling us back to the Lord and calling us to each other. We're better together when those things happen. Here's the next thing is, an apostolic ministry is a leader in the region. See, I don't think God has just called them just to lead in their area. He's actually called them to their region. There's meaningful relationships with other ministries and other churches that are taking place. There's nourishing lines of communication between the various churches, various organizations. They're thinking outside of it. They're like, how can we partner with this? How can we do this? They're always thinking that way because they're a leader in the region. When the Lord called me to this area, and it's funny because as I've been doing a lot of study, I've been realizing, man, I really have a strong, stronger apostolic calling on my life. And I don't know if I've ever really put a big stamp on it, but, but even when I was praying, the Lord said, Brian, I'm giving you the city. Was well, it because God wants me to have the city? No, it's not because that. The Lord just was speaking a language that he knew would resonate inside of my heart. That we're called to be leaders in our area. Next thing is this, is they understand the big picture. An apostolic church understands the big picture. They understand the church systems, the health of the organization, and they see how everything works together, and they understand and prioritize the importance of unity. There's this idea of like they, they see it. They see the big picture. Now, sometimes that means in seeing the big picture, they miss some of the smaller details. And that's why there's a need for fivefold. You can see this in churches. You can see churches that are really strong prophetic, but, but then you see these other areas that are kind of lacking. You see other churches that are really strong teaching churches. Man, they're like really good on the word. Some churches that are really good at care. Some churches are very evangelistic. Like all those things, they're all great, but let's see all five of them work. Which leads me to my last one, and that's this. It's, it's a culture of diversity. The church understands that all are welcomed and all are needed. An apostolic church doesn't say, oh, we're done, we got enough, we got enough on the team. They're constantly going, no, no, how, how do we get more people? How do we get more? How does this continue to advance? How, how do we include more people? How do, how do we grow this thing beyond it? 
See, apostles have an irreplaceable purpose in maintaining the ongoing missional capacities and generating new forms of the ecclesia, which is the church, and working for the continual renewal of the church slash organization. Alan Hirsch said that. The guy I was telling you about earlier. He goes on to say this. He says, the mature apostle will actually have a more developed sense of the church as a living system comprised of essential parts and subsystems that require a common DNA. He actually sees it as a whole. He's like, okay, there needs to be a common DNA. There's all these systems and subsystems inside of it. So here's my heart. My heart is to see the church body filled with people who are doing not just what they're good at, but actually what they're called to. Do you know some of you are really good at a lot of things? Well, that doesn't mean you're called to it. I'm actually a pretty good singer. So... I mean, if you don't know that, I got some good pipes. <laughs> I used to sing with the best of them. I, I can sing. But guess what? I'm, not, I'm actually not called to, uh, to lead worship. Now, I'll lead worship. Man, I, I can sing from down there, and you can probably hear me <laughs> singing. So it's probably like sometimes I am leading. Sorry about that. I'm a little loud. Kasha likes it that I sing really loud, so I sing loud because she says it drowns her out because she doesn't sing all that well. Um, I love her still, but not for her voice. <laughs> In fact, I always, thought, I, I always thought I'd marry a girl who could sing real well because I could always sing, so I thought we'd sing together. And uh, yeah, so. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I couldn't do it without her. I couldn't do it without Pastor Braley. I couldn't do it without Pastor Casey. All these different people have different roles, different callings. I think of Brian Penny down here. He's taken a lot of our tech stuff. See, you, every week you kind of think like this just magically happens, but there's a lot of work that goes into all this magic uh, that isn't so magical. And um, so what does it look like for us to be an apostolic church? Well, here, here it is, real simple, take risks. Extend the gospel. You've already seen these. Maintain the movement. Focus on the mission. Design systems. Plant the gospel. Cultivate entrepreneurship. Leader in the region. Understand the big picture and a culture of diversity. What does it look like for us to be an apostolic church? Let's, let's just grab a few of those and let's run with them. Some of you literally today, you heard things, you're like, man, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe I'm apostolic. Because some of these things, it was like fuel to your fire. You're like, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. I like that, ooh, I like that, I like that. Maybe it's because there's a peace inside of you. And I, and I would just say, welcome. Welcome to the team. Welcome to where God's called you to. I think of many who have like a teaching calling on their life. I want to I elevate those voices and stuff. I don't want to be the only person teaching. I shouldn't be the only person teaching. And it shouldn't just be the staff who should be teaching. You know, there are people who are very gifted in this room here today who could actually get up here and could just throw down. And you would be like, man, that was good. One of the greatest compliments is when my daughter got up here and she, she was preaching and people were like, bam, Pastor Brian, you better watch out. She's gonna steal your job. And I'm like, come on. If you think that my job is just that, that's the problem. It isn't just this. I do a lot of other things throughout the week. And the things that are on my mind, actually a lot of them, are 
are even more than just this moment. Because I'm this big picture thinker, so I'm always thinking about these things and this. And man, what about the cornfield turning into this? And, and oh, I'm just like, oh, we got 55 acres. Man, we, you know what we could build? You know what we could do over here? I'm telling you if, you, if you just got into my mind just for a minute, you would be like, I'm tired. See, Kasha just said it. She's tired all the time. Because it's just going. So here's two things. Two things and I'll close, and I know time-wise, I'm sorry, I'm getting long-winded, I'm old. All right. Two things. One, I really have been, we've been praying about this. We've actually been doing some fasting. And we've done quite a bit of research, and for a while now, the staff and the board, we've actually been talking about this, and that is, is that we have an opportunity right now to think in creative ways and outside of the box and I think it's even beyond just what we're doing now, and that is church online. See, there are people watching right now online. What's up? Are you wearing that <laughs> to church? But that's okay, because they're at their house, or they're watching later. Do you know, the stats tell us this, that 72% of online um, adults use social media. So 72% of those who are online use social media. And every age group in social media is continuing to experience growth. In particular, here's what's crazy. And this is an older stat, okay? But those who are 65 years and older have actually tripled in their usage in the last four years. From 13% in 2009 to now 43%, that would have been four years later. So that would have been, what, 2013. It's 2018 now. Brian Penny is like a social media expert and all that stuff. He used to do that for a living. He could get up and tell you about all of that and the impact that social media is having on our culture here today. Most people are sitting there and they're watching things not only on a tablet, but they're watching it on this. And they're watching on it for multiple, multiple times. Throughout the day, they're watching videos, they're scrolling through, and they're sitting there all the time. Sometimes they're sitting there for long periods of time. Hmm, flipping through, their wife comes in, knocks, I got, can you get out of there? <laughs> now you know what I'm actually talking about. <laughs> Isn't that when everyone gets on their phone? <laughs> but, but honestly, like, people are on these devices more than ever. And you know what is happening here? We, we have an opportunity that we're not seizing. Years ago, people began dreaming, what could it look like if we actually went online with our church services? So Bethany, years ago, invested the money, like 10 years ago, invested the money, bought this thing called a TriCaster. It was like $25,000. Bought cameras, bought all the gear that needed, and we have been using that stuff for the last 10 years. Can I just tell you, things have changed a lot in 10 years. This was not even a thought 10 years ago. Hey Siri, what has changed in 10 years? Okay, I found this on the web for what has changed in 10 years. That's one thing that's changed. <laughs> the fact that I can talk to my phone and it actually pulls up, oh, progress and innovation that has changed in the world in the past 20 years. I can click on it, it pulls me right into Business Insider. I can scroll through and see trains, 
Global populations exploded. More people are living in cities. Buildings are reaching previously unimaginable heights. Brian Henley is the most awesome guy ever. <laughs> I mean, those things are changing. I mean, used to not be cool, and now I am. <laughs> so what does it look like for us to do that? So here, here's, here's what we need. We need resources, and we need people. You know, last week, um, someone wasn't able to show up for um, being the executive role over there, and, and so... Like, the cameras don't just magically happen. Someone actually has to run them. And then somebody's up in a booth, actually, in another room, and they actually have to pick which slot things go up there, and they have to make sure the audio sound and all that stuff's right. Well, that person wasn't able to be here last week, and, and then we didn't know because they're kind of in this back thing. And so all these people who are on vacation, all these people who are like, Hi, I tried to jump on last week, couldn't get on because we didn't even hit the start button. Just a little simple button. Because we don't have team members to do some of those things. We, we could be sending the gospel out to other nations and different things, but it's going to require some investment in some technology. It's going to require mainly investment a lot in, tech, in, in uh, people. So I'm excited because Brian Penny, who's right down here. Brian, go ahead and stand up real quick, just because I'm going to put you on the spot. So, so Brian right here, and I have been in conversation for quite some time, and he actually has accepted a volunteer role as the tech director overseeing all of our technology piece and all that. And so, here, here's the thing. He needs people who like to do that kind of stuff. So please see him afterwards. And we don't normally do it that way, but I'm just telling you, our system is kind of still a little broken on some of that. So as of right now, it's C. Brian Penny, <laughs> if you want to be involved in tech. But there are some of you who, man, like you could really, you could make a difference. We're getting ready to implement a whole new, like our sound system has to be redone. We find out things are wrong with it. Our projectors are like really old and they're, I mean, just so, anyways, I won't get into all that. But here's the thing you got to understand is that God is stirring our hearts to reach people in new ways. And so we're investing resources. We're investing time. We need people and the resources to be able to continue to do it and to continue to see God move in our culture and around us. So an online campus is a big thing. What could it look like? Some of you, maybe you never would want to ever stand up here on stage and do what I'm doing right now. That's fine. But maybe you would love to stay behind a computer screen. Now, now hear me out for a minute. With the online campus, we don't want it just to be where people are watching. We want there to be two-way dialogue. So we want there to actually be someone who's like a campus pastor who's online, who's actually sitting upstairs by the person who's the director, and they're actually on a laptop or on a computer or something, and they're literally sitting there, and someone says, man, I need prayer for this, and they're praying with them through text right on the side. They're just sitting there just typing it out, and they're like, hey, here we go. Yeah, let's pray for this. Someone says, hey, I'm watching from Kentucky, and we go, that's awesome. Welcome, Kentucky. Someone says, hey, I'm watching from Indonesia. That's awesome, from Indonesia. And we're sitting there, and they're pastoring people just like we would do here. Think of the influence. I know churches that weekly have like thousands of thousands of viewers every week, and their churches are less than our church. They have thousands of people who are watching online, but the church is like five or 600 people. And they have thousands. How does that happen? Because someone just took a risk, decided to dream a new dream. Pastor Braley mentioned on the um, video about these four Lenaway impact cards. It's right here. Um, Kasha and I believe so strongly in leading the way in things in our lives. 
And so the way that this is and, and what this is, is going to be a tool for you to show God's love in practical ways. Here's how it could work. Let's say you go to McDonald's and you're sitting there at McDonald's and the Holy Spirit's like, you need to buy the person behind you's lunch. And you're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. So you get up to the thing and you say, I'd like to buy the person's lunch behind me. And they go, oh, that's awesome. The Madison basketball team is back there. <laughs> High school basketball team. And you're like, uh, uh. Okay, all right. And so you do it, you buy their stuff, right? And then um, you give this card to the person uh, there at the thing and you say, hey, uh, can you just give them this card um, when they come through? I'm just trying to show God's love in a practical way. Then you pay for their order. I've done this multiple times. You, you pay for their order. Then that person comes up and, and, the, and the, the high school coach pulls up in the thing and, and he's been trying to figure out how to get all done, but he's like, ah, oh, just take care. And then he says, someone hands him this card and says, hey, they paid for it. They said they just wanted to show God's love in a practical way. Imagine that moment happening all across our city every single day, all the time. What if these cards were just sitting in your purse, they were in your wallet, they were in your car, they were just all over. What if we just gave you a ton of them, we just said, hey, go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what we're gonna do. Next week, we'll have thousands of these cards and we'll continue to do this till Jesus comes home. Because good to great is great on Good Friday. But what Jesus is calling us for is not just to be Christer, Easter people. He's actually calling us to be people who love Jesus every day. So this will be a tool. So we're asking you this year, Lenaway County Fair, to go out and show God's love in a practical way. Maybe you buy somebody's elephant ear. Maybe, maybe you, you just bless somebody and say, hey, here's five bucks. Go, go, go on a ride. Here, hey, here's money to buy a wristband for your kid. Just go out and show God's love in practical ways. How cool would it be as these moments started happening and then all of a sudden, here's what you'll see. And this is, this is, a, this is what I love when this stuff happens because I've been a part of it so I've seen it. I love it when, when the cashier will, will get the card and they'll go, someone just did this a little earlier. I love doing this. Because you know, fast food industry, it's hard. They don't get the good moments. It's always, oh, this thing wasn't right. This wasn't right. But when you can look at someone and say, hey, the person in front of you paid for your meal. Here you go. What? That's awesome, really? And you know what I've seen happen? I've actually seen it where it just starts this pay forward movement. Someone gets it paid for and all of a sudden, like the next person's like, well, I'll just pay for the guy behind me. I'll pay for the guy behind me. And all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, you and I are being blessed and we keep going through McDonald's. We're like, hey, I got a free one. I got a free one. I got a free one. <laughs> don't, don't know what my car is and start following me around. So, but, um, but this will be a tool. So because Kashi and I, we really feel like God's calling us to lead and I'll wrap up with this. This is the altar call. Here we go. So Kasha and I um, are going to be going on vacation here in a little bit. And um, we were thinking, like, let's do a big garage sale so that we can have the garage sale, have money to be able to go on vacation, all this different stuff. And Kasha, being the organized person, does garage sales really good. And because I'm a thrift store shopper and we, have, we just have a lot of stuff. And we didn't get rid of stuff when we moved, and so we have a lot of stuff. And uh, I'm telling you, we have a lot of stuff. And uh, so we'd have a lot of stuff, and all that stuff that was there. And so I was like, man, we could make probably a couple thousand dollars. And, and then Kasha said, you know what? What if we just did a free sale? You know, we're, we're doing this whole four lent away stuff, and one of the things we're going to tell people is you could have a free garage sale and just bless people. And, and I was like, yeah, that's a good idea, but not a good idea. So I just kind of pushed it over to the side, and I was praying the next morning, and the Lord was like, you need to do that. And I was like, God, like... He's like, well, who's your provision? Is it you or is it me? And I was like, oh, you're always Jesus juking me, man. And he did. 
And, uh, and I said, okay. So I went and told Kasha, I was like, I think we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to do a, a free sale and just give stuff away. And then we started processing through that and we were kind of praying about it and just like, okay, is it, is it everything? Because at first I was kind of rushed. I was like, well, God, we've got a, like a new stove. And it's not new, but it's a really nice condition stove. We could probably get like 300 bucks for it. Um, like we got, we got some higher ticket items. Maybe we won't put those out there, you know. So we don't, you know, we don't want to be too generous or anything like that, you know. And we could, we could actually, and the Lord was like, no, I want, you to, I want you to give that. So literally it's like, okay, well, what about this? Yep, that. What about this? Yep, 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 yep. You were going to get rid of that, weren't you? I was like, yeah, but maybe I should hold on to it now. And the Lord's like, no. <laughs> no. Bless. Bless people. Bless people. So, Kasha and I have thought about this. We know a little bit of Adrian. We know how a lot of people like free stuff. And so we were like, oh, it could get a little out of control. And then we thought, well, let's at least let it get out of control with our church body. And uh, so we're inviting you to come to our house on Thursday, uh, no earlier than 9 a.m. <laughs> and, uh, and you can come, and it's free. Someone asked me, well, what if I pull up with a trailer and load everything up? And I said, <laughs> I said, uh, well, I would probably tell you, stop being so greedy and share with other people because um, we really do want it to be a blessing. I promise you it's not junk. Um, it's, it's good stuff. We, won't, we don't put junk out there because um, we hate that. <laughs> Remember, we're thrift store shoppers and garage sale people. We don't like that. Salvation Army is actually kind of hard for me to go into because they put junk on the shelves, and I'm like, dude, just throw that away. Anyways, that's another note for another time. But um, so anyways, this Thursday, this Thursday. Here's what's cool. Someone, someone uh, first gathering right at the end of it came up and said, I have a car. It runs. I've been holding on to it. They're like, it's kind of been my backup car. I've been fighting the Lord on it and everything. And I know I could get a couple, like, you know, a little over $1,000 for it and everything. And they heard me say that we're doing this. And they said, I'll give a car to somebody. And uh, so... I know someone came up first gathering and was like, oh, I, I could use that, so I don't know if that's all transpired or not, but if you need a car, come see me. If this person doesn't have one, maybe someone else in the church has one. Maybe you're sitting here like, I got a car I could give somebody. All right, good. I know someone here in this gathering that needs a vehicle. Um, so what if we just started doing that? What if we just started showing God's love in practical ways? What would happen? Well, people would see that we're for Lenaway. They would understand that we love people and that we just simply want to show God's love in a practical way. So this Thursday, free garage sale at the Henleys, 4551 North Club View. You can come to my house. Oh, it's right there. <laughs> it's a four-line-away garage sale. We even have a little sign in there that says four-line-away. You'll start seeing four-line-away on everything. That's, like our, that's our, how we're tagging everything, four-line-away, four-line-away, because we're four-line-away. So anyways, that's the altar call. You already had one earlier. I love you guys. Have a great week. There'll be prayer team up front. See you at our garage sale.